I wanted to continue our lesson from last week, and I want you, if you will, just to be prepared in your Bibles to turn with me. We're going to begin in the book of Acts, chapter 13, as far as our scriptures go. But I want to just kind of bring us back to where we left off last week as we come into this. And we're talking about living a life from faith to faith. The Bible says in John 1, of his grace we have received, of his fullness we have received, and grace unto grace. And so this is a beautiful thing about the new covenant because we are saved by grace through faith. And the book of Colossians says, as you received him, so walk in him. So we received him by grace through faith. We are to live our life by grace through faith. So it really is grace upon grace, faith upon faith. And we know that our faith is to grow. Jesus said, As he saw people, man, weak faith, that's weak faith. And maybe he would, you know, rebuke his disciples because of their lack of faith. Or sometimes he would comment what great faith there is here. And so faith can grow. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So obviously he is the one that is the engineering the circumstances of our life to build up our faith. So that we are people of great faith. He wants us to be of great faith. And really, if our God is who he is and who he says he is and who we claim he is, then we should be people of great faith. God can do anything. And so knowing that God can do anything and knowing God will do something are two different things. And a lot of times today, Christians tend to use presumption more than faith. There's not a true relationship with God. There's not an intimacy with him of understanding what God wants to do in particular circumstances or situations. I mean, we went through a tremendous pandemic last year. And who knows what we're going to face next year? Who knows what we're going to face next month? And so for the church of Jesus Christ, it is a matter that are we abiding in the presence of God and hearing the Lord speak to us for what he wants for our life. That's living from faith to faith. And so we have to live this way. The Bible is not ever going to separate faith from grace. The two things work together. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in his epistle to the Galatians, he said, how can you begin in faith and end in works? How can you begin in the spirit and end in flesh? And so this this life of faith is a life of grace. Abraham lived with God on the basis of faith. He lived in grace. The law wouldn't come until 400 years later. And so we are saved by faith in God. And this modern event today we find through new modern atheists and agnostics and so forth wants to redefine words and they want to redefine faith. And they want to say to us as Christians, you know, we're Bible-believing Christians and believe in a God who created everything. And they want to demean us and demean our faith as we are the kinds of people who just believe upon something that has no substance to it. There's no evidence to it. There's no reasonability of believing it. When really the fact of the matter is that's evolutionist, you know. I mean, you talk about not being able to substantiate anything or provide evidence for anything. But that's not really why we believe in God or how we believe in God. So we saw last week from the scriptures that God has demonstrated his power through creation. And the Bible says that the visible things of creation are declaring the invisible power of God that we can't see right now. 
And so we're believing in a God because everything he made is declaring to us that he is. He is God. And we believe that he is God. And so we come to God on the basis of that belief. And all men have faith. We're created with it. All men have faith. And it's not the fact that somebody says, well, you know, I just can't believe in God. That's not the truth. That's a lie. It's not the fact that somebody can't believe in God. It is the fact that they refuse to believe in God. Everybody believes in something, you know. And so to believe in God is, is, is to act upon the things that God has given us and the evidences that God has given us as to why we should believe in him. Why should we believe in Jesus Christ? We should believe in Jesus Christ for many reasons. Number one, the testimony of Scripture. In regards to the fulfillment of prophecy that are absolutely mathematically impossible for this man from Nazareth, born of this virgin, to fulfill. But he did. And and though there are people who try to dispute that, nobody can prove that he didn't do it. But the proof is in the fact that he did do it, sealing it with his resurrection And the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, which the Bible says is the loud declaration of God that he is the Lord, that Jesus is the Lord. And there was witnesses of him. And then these 12 guys who were so scared out of their mind that they were going to be arrested as well. After he was raised from the dead and the Holy Ghost comes upon them, they're now willing to go and die for this Jesus, they claim, is risen from the dead. People don't do that if they're propagating a lie. Not all of them, you know. And so they all went forth and they did this. And so we believe in him. And so that is human faith. God is giving us reasons why we should believe in him. He's giving us reasons why we should trust in him. And these reasons that God is giving us are to provoke us into a relationship with him. And so a lot of these things that we experience in life are God reaching out to us and they're not necessarily saving faith. For example, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 believed in a God, but he didn't know who he was. And he believed in this God and he did wonderful things and he prayed always to this God and he gave alms and he helped the poor and he did all of these great things because he knew there was a God and he didn't know who he was. But through his prayers and through his acts of kindness and honor of this God, God would come to him through an angel and say, send for Peter. He'll come tell you who I am. If Cornelius had died without knowing Jesus, he would have gone to hell, even though he believed in a God. And the same with Israel. Israel is there and they're they're delivered from Egypt with all of these mighty works of God and the power of God in their life and the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day and the man and the rock that's following them and the Red Sea part. And Israel sees all of these miracles. And if you would have gone to anybody in Israel and said, do you believe in God? And they say, are you kidding me? Did you see what he did to Egypt? Do you see how he's providing for us every day? But Hebrews says they all died in unbelief. And so the Bible tells us that even the devils believe. And the devils confess him in something different than humanity. The devils fear and tremble. And so most people believe in a God. And in regards to that belief in a God, maybe they're like Cornelius and they're good church people. Maybe they're like Cornelius and they tithe and they go to church and they do good things and they even pray. But maybe they don't know him 
Maybe they haven't believed on him. And like, like the scriptures tell us that we must believe on him. And so it's from faith to faith. From the very beginning, Hebrews 11 says that we know that God created everything by faith. We know that. We know by faith that God created everything. And creation is declaring to us the power of God. We live now on that faith and we build on it. So if there is a God who created it, who is this God? I want to know who he is. Why should I not believe in this religion or that religion? Why should I not be a Buddhist? Why should, why is Islam wrong? Why are Mormons wrong? Why is Jehovah Witness wrong? Why are all of these things? Why is Christianity right? What is it in history that somehow God has revealed himself to mankind so that we can sidetrack all of these destructions Distractions and self-promotions of demigods and know who the real God is. What is it that causes us to seek that God? And God has given us reasons and evidences. Number one is his word in prophecy. He has declared that God made a challenge in Isaiah. He said, listen, I challenge all of these false gods and religions. If your God's a God, bring him up here. And we'll have a contest and we'll t- each of will say what's going to happen before it ever happens. And it's got to be perfectly right. And there was no God that ever came forward. No God that ever came forward to foretell the future and, and, and get that right other than the Lord God. And so we have Israel and we have Jesus and we have all these reasons to be able to know who this God is we should pursue. And we do that by faith. And as we go by faith, we know him and we know him and faith knows. Faith is faith is reliable and, and we know God. And so what I want to talk about this morning are a couple of different aspects of faith in regards to our salvation. And so one of those is justifying faith. And so you and I have to have faith in the justification that God gives us as sinners. We have to believe that. You just have to. And you have reason to believe that. You have evidence of that. One of the evidences of that is the, and sanctifying faith as well, is the transformation of people all around you. I would imagine that every one of you in here have experienced somebody who used to live a life without God. And then they had an encounter with God and they met the Lord and they gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. And there was a sudden and miraculous change that took place in their life. You can't deny that. You may, you can't, it's not that you can explain it, but you can't deny it. And then when that individual tells you, I met Jesus Christ and not just, this is not one isolated event, but there are actually millions of people from the last 2000 years that all have this same confession. You would be very foolish to ignore the testimony. Testimony that is the same for 2,000 years how Jesus Christ changed my life. And so I want you to see this justifying faith. And I want to see what it means as well. But justifying faith is believing what God has done for me in Christ. It's believing what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. And I want you to read a couple of scriptures with me beginning in Acts 13 verse 38. And Paul, the scriptures, Luke actually writes this, and he says in verse 38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, 
speaking of Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And that's beautiful. Your sins can be forgiven. And by him, all that believe. Isn't that wonderful? That's faith. All that believe. Not all that work, join the church, live a perfect life. But all that believe are what? Justified from all things. Just by belief, by faith. Well, you have to believe that. And if you believe that, you have something. It's not for you to assent to the, to the words on the page and we call a Bible and say, well, that's the Bible and I believe the Bible. So yes, it's true. No, do you believe this for yourself? Do you have the truth of this in yourself? Because that's saving faith. That is faith whereby you are justified. You have to believe this. So by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law of Moses or the law cannot justify you. And it's not faith or belief and the law. It doesn't say, and by him all that believe and work are justified. But all that believe. Because if you believe, then faith will have works. But the works are not put in here with that. It's just the faith. Because true faith, saving faith, is going to work. You're justified from all things. From which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware therefore, lest... That come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And so he is saying, beware of that. Beware of it. It doesn't have to be you. But the prophet spoke that I would do something in the earth that would be so new Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 52 talk about this. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? But you don't have to be one of those who despise this. You can believe and and you can be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. And and this is absolutely beautiful. And so I want you to go to Romans chapter 2. And I want to see just a few more scriptures about this justification by faith. In Romans chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, and he's talking about those that want or desire to live by the law. Verse 12, we'll start there. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. And so who are the doers of the law? Nobody. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have. So the law is not going to justify anybody. It did reveal the perfect man, Jesus Christ. But as far as the rest of humanity, we've all sinned and fallen short of the the glory of God. We are not doers of the law. We didn't do it. We broke it. We trespassed against the Lord. In chapter 3, 
of Romans in verse 20, it says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. How many people are going to be justified by the law in the sight of God? None. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the new covenant, praise God, now the righteousness of God without the law, praise God, there is a righteousness of God that can come to men without the law. That is, it comes to people who believe. The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Because Moses and the prophets talked about this new covenant. They witnessed to it. They spoke about what was coming. And what is this righteousness? Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that what? Believe. For there's no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you're being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's just so beautiful. How God has redeemed us freely with this. And what does it mean to be justified? In Romans chapter 8. You'll see this. And if you would look towards the latter part of Romans chapter 8. He says in verse 30. Moreover whom he did predestinate. Them he also called. And whom he called. Them he also justified. And whom he justified. He also glorified. So, what shall we say to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? So, number one, if you're justified by God because you're a believer, who can be against you? And it, and it doesn't mean that you don't have people against you. But it just means who can stand against you? You stand right with God. You stand with God just. You do not stand with God as a sinner. You stand with God, justified, sanctified, and holy. It's not what you're going to be. It's what you are. He has made you that. And so you stand with him on that path. So all of God, all of heaven is with you. What can stand against you? What can overcome you or prevail against you is what he's saying here. He didn't spare his own son. He delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Not only can you stand up against everything, but God will freely give you all things because you're just with him. And who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justified you. Who can condemn you? Christ died, and yea, rather is risen again, who is at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? And he talks about all of these things. In verse 37, we are more than conquerors. In verse 38, I'm persuaded that not death or life, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, height, depth, any creature. The point is, has the power to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's justification, beloved. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. How many of you, as a professing Christian, has justifying faith? How many of you have faith in the fact that you have been justified? It was the work of God through Jesus Christ for you that God has justified you. Because if you have justifying faith, then you have this confidence. And the confidence that you have is this. I am right with God. There is nothing between me and God. 
There is nothing separating us. There is no sin in the way separating me from God. And another thing about this justification, everything he has is freely given to me. I mean, he gave me Jesus. What's better than Jesus? If he gave me his best, he gives me everything else. So beware of these preachers who want you to pay for your miracle. Because it's just free. It's there. It's all there. And who can separate me? Who can condemn me? Who can judge me? The the one who is the judge made me just. I answer to him. I, I don't answer to you. I don't answer to you. I don't answer to the devil. So you can go ahead and find something wrong with me. In a se- It'll take you less than 10 seconds to find something wrong with me. Go tell the one who made me just about it. And he's going to kick you out. Because he justified me in his sight. I have that confidence. Do you have that confidence? The confidence is that nothing's going to separate me from God. There's no power on earth that can do that. Why do I have to fear pandemics or anything? Why do I have to fear and live like the world? When I'm, when I have this relationship with Almighty God, this is freedom and power and what the world needs. And it's going to bring people to Christ and give people life and everything. And so this is what it means to be justified. And this is something that God has declared. So how do you know it's real to you? And I don't have time to read the scriptures, but in Romans chapter 8 and in Galatians chapter 4, there's two passages that says that when a person believes in the Lord, that God sends to them the, the Holy Spirit who from within them cries, Abba, Father. So, so the, the testimony of God that you are justified because there's such a work in heaven that's going on that you're not always aware of and you don't always feel. God has given you a deposit of that in the coming of the Holy Spirit who comes inside of you and says, you're adopted, you're his son, you're his daughter, you are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are justified, you are sanctified. And you believe that. You believe it because God said it. I've I've got to move on. I want to talk about sanctifying faith. Justifying faith is to believe what God has done for me. Sanctifying faith is to believe what God has done with me and in me. And sanctification means to be made holy. And so we shall be like him. And so I'm talking about the fact that we are justified. We are sanctified. But all of us are aware of sin in our life. All of us are aware of our shortcomings and that, you know, there, there are things that really need to happen in our life and we want to be more holy and more Christ-like. And so that's the work of sanctification and you have to believe that God does that. Let me tell you something. Satan is a legalist. And his mode of operation is to come into your life and tell you it's great that you believe in Jesus, but if you're going to be like Jesus, you need to start living by the law. You need to start living by these principles. You need to start living by these guidelines. You need to start working very hard so that you begin to look like Jesus Christ. And Satan would love to get you to do that because if he can, he's now taken you out of faith into works. And he's now taken you out of the spirit into your flesh. And the Bible says Christ is of no profit to you. We do not go back to Moses for our sanctification. What do we do? We live by grace through faith. We continue to trust in the power of God and the ability of God to make us holy. And this is very, very important. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, 
It says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. So here's here's Paul to the church. And he says, I want you to make it. I want you to make it to heaven and I want you to be a holy people. So how how is that going to happen? Well, for Paul, I'm going to commend you to two things. I'm going to commend you to God and the word of his grace. That will keep you. That will keep you. I'm not giving you all of these instructions and principles to do because maybe I'll never see you again. If you want to make heaven, make sure you do all of this. No, keep yourself in God and keep yourself in the word of his grace. And if you do that, then you will be sanctified with everyone that is. And if you continue with me um, in chapter 26 of Acts, it tells us in verse 18, right here it says that this was the call on Paul's life to go and testify the gospel of Jesus in verse 17, talking about delivering people. And he says, this is the deliverance in verse 18 to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified. How? By By faith that is in me. Speaking of Jesus Christ. And so this is this is how sanctification comes. This is how justification comes. This is how the new birth comes. By faith. By grace through faith. Is is the only way. It is the only means. And I'm I'm turning quickly to Titus. If if you want to turn there with me, you can. But I'm turning to Titus chapter two, and he says in verse eleven, for the grace of God. That brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us. What teaches us? Grace Grace teaches us. Teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope. And so that's what grace teaches you. Grace teaches you how to deny godliness. Grace teaches you how to walk godly in this present evil world. Grace gives you the power to do that. And it's not that principles of legalism, that the the desire that's in legalism is wrong. It's just that it is impossible to get there through legalism. And the only possible way is through the grace of God. And so we have to believe in God and this grace for our salvation. In Philippians chapter 3, in Paul's testimony, he makes this statement in chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And so he's talking about these, what could get into a very proud thing, but he comes into verse 9 and he says, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And so I ask you, what faith are you living by that is the means of your sanctification? 
Are you trying to make yourself holy by self-effort and works? Or are you trusting and believing in God, Jesus Christ, your Savior, to set you apart and make you holy and teach you how to live, convict you when you sin, and show you and teach you within what is right and give you the power to do it? A couple of more scriptures as I close is in Hebrews chapter 2. And he tells us this in verse 11. Hebrews 2.11, for both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Do you know what it says? It says this, that Jesus Christ, we know this from the scriptures, Jesus Christ has imputed to you his righteousness. He has put that into your account. His righteousness has been given to you. His obedience has been credited to you as obedience. You didn't do it. He did it for you. Just as Adam's disobedience was accredited to you as disobedience, the obedience of Jesus was given to you on your account. And so you stand before God in heaven as pure as Jesus is. That's very hard for people to grasp. And I think only faith can. And I'm not talking about Jesus in his deity, in his divinity, but Jesus the man. That he is our, he's not ashamed to call us brothers because we are sanctified as he is, so are we. And, and you have to believe that. You have to believe it. And I know that down here you don't experience that so much. You experience failure. You experience shortcomings. You experience setbacks and weaknesses and sins. But your standing with God is in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And he has accounted and tributed to you all of those things that are in Jesus Christ. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, it says this in verse 10. It says, by the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ day after day, month after month, year after year. No, once and for all. Once and for all, if if this blood and this sanctification is not good enough for me today, then we're all in trouble. But it was done once and for all. And that is the truth that you just read in the scripture. As a matter of fact, he says in verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Who's sanctified? Those that believe. And those that believe are perfected forever. Now, I believe you can turn from Jesus. I believe that you can go back to Moses. You can go back to the law. You can go back to a works-based righteousness where you fall away from Christ. You've fallen from grace and you're in great danger of eternal damnation. I believe in that. I believe the scriptures teach that. But if you're a person of faith and you don't throw your confidence away and you walk in faith, believing, then you are perfected forever. It is what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And it is absolutely beautiful what he has done. Nowhere in the Bible is an individual believer called a sinner in the New Testament. In the New Testament. Nowhere is an individual believer called a sinner. 
churches are being dealt with on the basis of sin. Sin has gotten into the church. But an individual believer is never accused of being a sinner. And Paul, even though there are believers that are carnal and they are involved in sin, he always addresses them as brothers, as brethren. And he doesn't put them under the law. He puts them in grace. Because this is, this is what operates in the house of God is this grace. And he doesn't do that. We need to be very careful because our tongues are very quick to call one another sinners and so forth. Let the Holy Spirit do that. He will do that. You preach the truth. You preach the word. Preach about sin. Preach on sin. Preach against sin. And the Holy Spirit will tell that individual if they're a sinner or not. He'll do that, and he knows how to do that. He knows how to bring conviction and so forth. And so it's important for us to know that. We know that we have the sins that we fall into. But the point is, according to Romans 5.17, or 5.13, he does not impute them to us. And simply what that means is if we're talking about sanctification. We know that we're being made like unto Christ. We know that we're not there yet, but God has accepted us in Christ as as perfect and holy and sanctified and as pure as Jesus is because he's imputed all of that to us. You have to believe that. That's why it's faith because you don't always see that in yourself. But you have to believe that about God and you have to believe that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to perfect you. But what it means that he will not impute to us sin, it says in Romans 5.13, where there is no law, sin is not imputed. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't see sin in us because he's a good father. He does see sin in us, but he doesn't put it into our account. He doesn't keep a list and say, okay, I've, I've, I've got three quarters of this page filled up with your sins. And if you go the rest of the quarter, I'm going to judge you and I'm going to pour wrath. No, I poured my wrath on you and my son 2,000 years ago. I'm not going to do that to you again because it would be unjust of me to do that to my son. And therefore, I'm not keeping a record of your wrongs, but I'm your father. And son, this is not the way we behave in my house. These are not the things that I want. These are not the things that I enjoy. These are not the things that I love. And God begins to convict me and smite me and chasten me as a father would do his son. Now we understand that not everybody that goes to church is born again. And so maybe they have no problems with the sins that they commit. If they were, if they were God's child, they'd have a problem with it. You know? And so the children of God do not have this record keeping of the Lord, but he treats them as a father would treat his child. I don't keep a record of my children's wrongs, but I deal with their wrongs. And so the Lord deals with our wrongs. And you have to believe, and I just say this in closing, and call if you want to just come up. I say this in closing. Do you, do you have justifying faith? Do you have sanctifying faith? Do you believe and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mess to justifying and sanctification together. Do you believe that you have an inseparable, intimate relationship with the Father in heaven where he loves you? And Jesus even said this in John 17. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus, his son. Do you believe that? It might be hard to understand it, but do you believe it? Do you believe that all is yours? Do you believe that there is absolutely nothing, if you're a believer, there is absolutely nothing in your life that is causing the Father to turn his back on you right now? 
There's nothing that is disgusting him right now. Even if you're aware of some sin that you've committed and your father is certainly aware of, he hasn't turned his back on you. He's running to you as a father would his child to secure you and to help you and to free you from that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that nothing can condemn you? Do you believe that nobody could stand and, and condemn you if God has justified you? Do you believe that when you get to heaven, you're not going to be more holy than you are right now? Do you believe that? And if Christians would believe that today, you talk about give power to the gospel of grace that we preach, you know? So I encourage you to have that kind of faith because... You've read it with me in the word. Those that are justified by faith, those that are sanctified by faith, have relationship with God. But there is a justification or a sanctification by the law. And if that's what you're striving, or even the mixture of it, you're in great danger. Great danger. Live by faith. Whatever's not of faith is sin. And faith will certainly be active. It is not dead. It is alive and it is full of belief and full of walking with God and full of stepping out with God. Faith will not sit there. Religious people sit there. Faith will not sit there. Faith will join itself to God and walk with Him. Father, I thank You this morning in the name of Jesus that You have given us this beautiful life of faith because that just means anybody can. It's not to the strong or the fast or the mighty or the intellectual. It's to the believer. Thank you, God, that you've made it that way. The, the, The one that deals with the most oppressive sin, the strongest addiction, the most religious overtones in life, those that have suffered the most horrific abuse, the most calloused hearts can be free by believing you. And Lord, there's many reasons people should not believe the church or even church people. But there's no reason we should not believe you, believe in Jesus, and follow you, God. And Lord, in that belief, you can turn our life around and you can use us to make the church beautiful. Make the church what you want it to be. Treat people the way you want to treat them. And we love you, Father. We set our hearts upon you. Guys, for the, just the next minute, just want to just think about this faith and ask yourself the question, do I have it or not? Paul is just going to sing one song and just pray for this faith. It is the gift of God, this faith. Ask him for it.